Scripture reading today comes from James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. James writes, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. May God bless the reading of his word. Just wondering, does anybody like waiting? (laughs) I don't. Uh, You know, I I get an amen back here. We don't like waiting uh, if you do. That's, that's wonderful. That's just great. That's fantastic. Um, but one thing, I was trying to think, okay, what do we all share in common? Well, I know we all share in common the fact that we wait, but I'm thinking, what is one experience that we all share in common that relates to waiting? And I'm thinking, okay, we've all been to the doctor. And this isn't against any doctors here, but I'm just saying, when we've all been to the doctor's office, and you know, some of you have been to the doctor a few times, some of you have been to the doctor many times. And so you have a lot more experience with this. But, you know, when you go to see the doctor, you arrive at the office, you check in, and then you what? You wait. And you wait in the what? The waiting room. They have a whole room dedicated to waiting. And that's what you do in there. And so you're waiting in the waiting room, and at some point, uh, maybe a nurse comes out and says, Okay, Ron Jones, you're up. And uh, takes me back to a smaller waiting room. And then you wait there for a little while, or a long while, and then finally you, you get to see the doctor or whatnot. You know, on, war, on one or more of occasion, uh, I've thought to myself, oh, this is not going to take long. I'm going to get there. I'm going to check in. They're going to call me back. The doctor's going to rush in, check me out, and I'm going to be out of here in no time. Well, you know how that goes. You know, Sometimes it happens that way. And I know some of you guys have just recently gone through some uh, many doctor's appointments. It's good to see Roy and Sharon here again. Praise the Lord for that. And uh, I know you know what it's all about, waiting in those offices and, uh, and going through those treatments. And so, you know, we're waiting. Uh, oftentimes we think it's going to be quick, but oftentimes, in fact, it is not very quick at all. And uh, I go into the doctor, and then I, uh, you know, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and I'm thinking to myself... I should have brought something to do in here. You know, I just thought this was going to be quick. I should have brought something to do while I wait. Now, tomorrow I have a dentist appointment. Now, supposedly I'm the first patient. And my dentist is pretty quick about getting me in and out. But I guarantee you, when I'm going to the appointment tomorrow, I'm going to have a book with me or something. uh, Just in case things don't go according to plan. And I'm going to find myself, you know, waiting and waiting and waiting. So... You know, as Christians, this idea of waiting is, is one that's familiar to us, not just because we go to the doctor uh, and sit in the waiting room, 
But we also are waiting for something much greater to happen, right? I mean, we all as Christians are awaiting and just waiting for the coming of Christ, where He will renew all things, make all things new. And so uh, this is what we're waiting for. But until He comes, you know, we wait. And so the question is, well, how do we wait? I mean, is there a Christian way to wait? And in this passage, James tells us there, in fact, there is a way to wait. There's a way that we should be waiting for the coming of the Lord. And he tells us these four truths in verses 7 through 12. He tells us that while we wait on Jesus, we should be patient. We should establish our hearts. We should resist grumbling. And we should resist swearing. And so let's take these one at a time. First, he tells us to be patient. Look again at verse 7. He says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. So in the preceding verses, you know, James has been talking about the oppression that uh, people experience, uh, oftentimes perhaps at the hands of the rich, uh, suffering, unjust treatment. Uh, but James understood that life is a challenge at times. I mean, there are difficulties in life. And especially if you try to live the Christian life, uh, there are even added difficulties to that as well. So aware of this reality, James tells us that we must be patient. We must be patient until the coming of the Lord. And the word patient there means long-suffering as opposed to short-suffering. <laughs> you know, it, it means long-tempered as opposed to Short-tempered. You know, being able to deal with trials and not lash out in retaliation or revenge. And so, you know, when you're under uh, some difficulty, you know, you may want, if someone does you wrong, for example, you may want to go out and slash their tires. But, but James is saying, don't do that. Be patient. You know, bear up under those trials. Don't strike out in an ungodly way. You know, you're representing Christ here. Let's wait on Him to return. He will make all things new. He will make all things right. And so we don't need to take that into our hands. We need to wait. We need to be patient. And so it's the ability to deal with difficulties by being watchful for the Lord to work and expecting Him to give you what you need to persevere. One writer said that, you know, this passage tells you what to do when you're in a hurry, but God isn't. Be patient. And like I said, the opposite of being patient is to be wrathful or, or seek revenge or retaliation against those who have done you wrong. And I think being patient, I think this is why James couches it the way he does. I think being patient requires us to have an eternal perspective. Notice James says, be patient until. In other words, this is happening. The Lord is coming. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. You need to have that type of eternal perspective. You need to know and believe that Jesus is coming back and that He will in fact right every wrong. With that knowledge and that belief, that will enable you to be patient. And then He gives us an illustration to explain what He means. He says, you'll see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Being patient about it. Until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. See throughout the scripture. Rain is seen as being a, a, the provision of God. 
the blessing of God, the provision of God. And the farmer's responsibility, if you think about farming, is to prepare the soil, to plant the seed, to tend the garden. But it's the Lord's responsibility to provide the rain and to cause the growth. And so the picture here is of a farmer who is doing his part and being patient and waiting on the Lord to do what he's going to do. And so if you bring that into our context, we, context, we need to think about it like this. You know, are, are we experiencing a, a waiting period? Are we going through a trial, a challenge? You know, think about, are you, in, are you in the midst of a difficult situation? Because life is full of difficulties and unknowns, right? Full of them. And we all experience them from, one, from some time or another. And so as you face those times of difficulty, those times of suffering, unjust treatment... You need to do what you can do. You need to sow the seeds of change, just like the farmer sows the seed of the crop. But in the midst of the change, we need to be patient, and we need to trust the Lord to do what He can do. He may deliver you. He may not deliver you the way you think He will. But when Jesus returns, and this is what James is telling us, when Jesus returns, He will make all things right. And so don't let what you do not know cancel out what you do know. There's a lot we don't know. We don't know how things are going to pan out. You don't know uh, how things are going to work out. You don't know if God is going to provide in the way you want Him to provide. Uh, You don't know if it's going to get easier or if it's going to get harder. We don't know that. Uh, We don't know these things, but we do know this. We know God loves us. The Bible tells us He loves us so much that He sent His Son for us, He gave His Son for us. Uh, Jesus tells us He's always with us. He tells us that He will never leave us or forsake us. He tells us He'll complete what He has started within us. Uh, he tells us that He will return and He'll make all things right. He'll make all things new. And so as a follower of Jesus, we need to cling to this truth. And as we do that, we can be patient. That's what fuels our patience while we wait. And second thing James tells us is that we need to establish our hearts. Look again with me at verse 8. He says, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Again, Jesus has told us what He's going to do. You know, while He's at the right hand of the Father, He's going to intercede for us. He's going to be present with us through the Holy Spirit. He's going to return to judge the world and bring about renewal. This is what Jesus is going to do. And what we need to do is be patient and establish our hearts. The word establish there means to strengthen or to fix or to set. And so the idea is that we must fix our hearts on Jesus, on what He has done, what He is doing, and what He will do. And this is an intentional act. This is your responsibility. This is my responsibility. It's something you need to do. We know what Jesus is going to do. Now what you need to do is establish your hearts And this may or may not, surprisingly, be accompanied by feelings of wanting to do that. Because when when, when the pressure's on, our feelings, we can feel all kinds of different things. But James is saying, in the midst of those feelings and circumstances, establish your hearts. Fix the eyes of your heart on Christ. And so the question is for us, you know, what... What are we fixing our eyes on? What are we fixing the eyes of our hearts on? 
What are we trusting in to get us through? And so think about, is there anything causing you to worry or experience anxiety? Is there anything or anyone uh, causing you heartache or distress? And then think about, what, what, is, what is your heart established on? What are, what are the eyes of your heart fixed on? You know, I think it's so easy for us to fix our eyes, set our hearts on the situation rather than the Savior. And we get so wrapped up in what's happening, we don't establish our hearts on who Jesus is, what He's done, what He is doing, what He will do. You know, I love the line in the old hymn that says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And I love this line here. And the things of the world will grow strangely dim in light of His glory and grace. So the picture is, you have all these things going on in your life, and then you fix your eyes on Jesus. If you've ever you know, used a camera that has a zoom in it or focus, even your camera phone, I mean, you know, there's a way, it zooms in on, on that thing that's closest to the lens, it tends to anyway. And so this hymn is just telling us, hey, there are all these things going on, but just zoom in on Christ. Fix your eyes on Him. Establish your hearts on who He is and what He has done, is doing, what He will do. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So if we're going to be patient in the midst of difficulty, then we must turn our eyes, the eyes of our hearts to Jesus. While we wait, we must establish our hearts. The third thing James tells us is that we have to resist grumbling. Look again with me at verse 9. He says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. You know, when things get tough, it is so easy to grumble, right? We do it. We all do it. Murmur, grumble, complain, whine. Um, That's just what we tend to do. Hey, this is something we're not proud of, but God's people have a history of grumbling. Right? You read the Bible... We just tend to grumble. I mean, think about the Israelites under the leadership of Moses as he's bringing them out of Egypt. Just grumbling. And it's because of their grumbling that they miss out on what God's doing. Not only are they enjoying Him and the fact that He's bringing about freedom, but they're not allowed to enter the promised land because of their grumbling. And so the the history of God's people is one that, unfortunately, we do tend to grumble. And... Sometimes we just really miss out on what God's doing. Uh, we don't enjoy Him. We don't, we're not participating in what He's doing because we're so focused on grumbling. Now, we've all been to the doctor's office. We've all been in the waiting room. And I just want to imagine, I want you to imagine sitting in the, in the waiting room, waiting to see the doctor, and the people around you are just constantly complaining about how long the wait is. You know, they're complaining about, hey, why are all you sick people here? I can't get into the doctor's office because you're all here. Why would you book your appointment here? You know, why did they overbook this place? You know, we've all been complaining. You know, you're complaining about how bad you feel, how you need to see the doctor. All these complaining. And, you know, all of us, I would, I would imagine every one of us would think to ourselves, this is not very pleasant, sitting next to this person that is just constantly grumbling and complaining. Right? It's just not very pleasant. It's not an enjoyable experience. And I'm not saying that we need to just pretend everything is okay. 
But I do think James is telling us here that as followers of Jesus, we need to not allow suffering to cause us to grumble against, complain with, or even blame each other. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to grumble and complain about our situation and even start blaming those closest to us while we're experiencing what we're experiencing. Or even grumbling that I'm experiencing this and this person's not experiencing this. In other words, you want them to share your misery. You know, It doesn't take much to cause us to grumble. And James is saying, don't do that. And the way we combat the grumbling is by recognizing that the judge is standing at the door. You know, Jesus is not only with us in the Spirit, but He's coming again. And we don't want Him to walk through the door and catch us whining and complaining, right? We want to show ourselves as those who are trusting Him, walking with Him, being patient, establishing our hearts on Him. And the reality is life is hard. Life is difficult. And the life of faith is even harder. But James tells us to resist grumbling and trust the Lord. You know, this morning, you may need to repent of grumbling. You may find yourself complaining about those around you, this person, that person. And let me just tell you, and we've all told our kids this, I know. It's not going to help the situation, right? And to put it in you know, terms of the mission of God, grumbling is not going to help us fulfill the Great Commission. I guarantee you. It's, it's not going to help us, right? It, grumbling is not going to help us build each other up. And help us to become who God wants us to be. It's just not going to help us. And I think that's why James is is writing this letter to the church and saying, you know, you need to resist grumbling. I know it's hard. Life is hard. Resist grumbling. Set your hearts on Christ. And James knows this truth, that we need examples. We need to be able to look to others who have gone through similar life situations and remain faithful to the Lord. Doesn't that help you? Knowing that someone else has gone through what you're going through and they've been able to persevere and stay true to the Lord and walk in faith, that helps you, right? Just like going through any other thing, a sports thing, an illness. If you know someone who's been through it, you can talk to them about it. It helps you persevere through it. And James knows that. and That's why he says in verse 10 and 11, he says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord, Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's saying, look to the prophets. If they had posters of the prophets, he would say, put the posters of the prophets on your your wallet at home. So you can look to them. You know, it's examples. These guys... You know, they, they, they dealt with hard situations and yet they remained faithful to the Lord. And the word steadfast there is a little different than the word patience. Patience, like I mentioned before, is it's going through a trial. Maybe someone's wronged you and it's the ability to, to wait it out and not strike out in an ungodly way against them or against the situation. So you're being patient with the situation. But this word steadfastness is this idea of uh, bearing up under a load. And so it's not only walking through a circumstance without retaliating, but it's also bearing up under this load without crumbling. And so I'm walking through the situation 
I'm under the load, but I'm also not striking out against people, but I'm, I'm holding it up. I'm, I'm persevering through it. I'm, I'm remaining steadfast and staying true to the Lord. So whereas patience is the ability to endure without retaliation or revenge, steadfastness is the ability to bear up under a load without crumbling. And like I mentioned, it's easier, it's easier to bear up under a load when you know other people have done that before you. Right? That you've seen people carry that same type of load in life and remain faithful to the Lord. And James knew that this helps us to have these examples uh, while we wait. And he says specifically, look at the steadfastness of Job. You ever heard somebody say, she has the patience of Job. Probably talking about her husband or something. But, you know, she has the patience of Job. In other words, you know, Job, Job withstood a terrible amount of suffering. If you've ever read the book of Job, it's just unbelievable the amount of suffering this man had to go through. Just, just think about this. He experienced the death of all of his ten children at one time. One time. Not only that, he was stripped of everything that we tend to rely on for security. Family, money, health, power. You know, even his wife told him, why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, this man was under such suffering. And his friends even told him, Job, the only reason that you're going through this is you must have done something. And so it was like the world was stacked against Job. Just encountering great amounts of suffering. And he struggled. Job struggled to understand why this was happening. But in the midst of his struggle, he continued to say things like this. Listen to Job 121. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Listen to Job 2, 9 and 10. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Job 19.25, Job says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last He will stand upon the earth. And at the very end of Job, Job 42, he says, the author writes, And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And that's important to, to read that verse because James reiterates it this way in James verse 11. He says, You have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. It is the fact that the Lord is compassionate and merciful that allows us to endure suffering, endure trials and, and difficulties. Because in Christ, our latter days will be more blessed than the beginning because of the compassion and mercy of the Lord. And that's what we're looking to. Will He bring us out of this situation the way we want? Maybe, maybe not. But we know at the coming of the Lord, Jesus will make all things right. He'll make all things new. And the latter days will be better than the former. So he says, consider the prophets. Consider Job. 
And consider those you know. There's other people that are in your life that you've seen bear up under struggles and trials and difficulties and, and bear those well and remain patient and steadfast. Look to those examples to give you strength to remain faithful to the Lord as you walk through trials and as we wait on the Lord. Finally, he tells us to resist swearing. Verse 12, he says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. This issue of swearing oaths, um, he's not talking about cussing here. He's talking about uh, being truthful in your speech is the main focus. And he's reiterating Jesus' teachings that you find in the Gospels that we should let our yes be yes and our no be no. In other words, we don't need to make oaths and, and promise on this or on that. I mean, we just need to let our yes be yes and our no be no. I don't think he's saying that, you know, for example, we had a wedding yesterday. I officiated a wedding and they were making these promises to one another, you know, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't think that was a wrong thing to do. But he's saying, you know, we need to be truthful in our speech. That's the main thrust of this passage. We should be, as Christ followers, truth tellers. And when the pressure's on, while we're waiting on the Lord, it can be easy for us to use our speech in untruthful ways. And even make O's in, uh, in ways that aren't appropriate. And so, you look all throughout, the, all throughout this letter from James, and he's been instructing, instructing us how to use our speech He's explaining to us the power of the tongue. And so while we wait as difficulty comes, and I'm sure it will, we are not to allow our tongue to be uncontrolled, but we are to be truth tellers, pursue and stick to the truth. And so as, as the people of God, we need to pursue, speak the truth, and recognize, by recognizing too that every word we use, we use in the presence of God. And so we are to be truth tellers. And so when it's all said and done, we see this passage in James, and it's this idea of waiting, waiting on the Lord. While we wait, what do we do? How do we act? How do we speak? And we're all familiar with the idea of waiting. And until Jesus returns, we will wait. And there will be difficulty, there will be temptation, there will be wonderful times as well, um, but there will also be suffering. And in the midst of these trials, there is a way that we should wait. While we wait on Christ, we need to be patient. We need to establish our hearts, resist grumbling, and resist swearing. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for these words. Very practical. Practical ways to wait as we um, set our hearts on You, what You're going to do, not only today and tomorrow, but when Christ returns. Lord, we know You're going to uh, make all things new. Uh, You're going to right every wrong, that you are the judge. Uh, Lord, help us to be patient. Help us to be steadfast. Uh, Help us not to grumble. Help us to uh, stick to the truth. Um, And Lord, just help us to represent you well uh, as we wait. And even in the midst of that waiting, as we face difficulty, Lord, empower us, strengthen us. Uh, Help us to help each other to wait well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.